Welcome to Pardes Daily, where you get your daily dose of Torah with Pardes faculty. For the next two weeks, Pardes is bringing Purim to you. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is Svi Hirschfield from the Pardes Institute. We are on our fourth in a series of 10 different thinkers uh, sharing some of their most interesting and provocative and challenging ideas on the holiday of Purim. Uh, I'm again recording this from my home in Alon Shvut. So our next thinker is Rav Yitzchak Hutner. Rav Hutner, born in 1906 in Poland, studied in Slobodka. He made his way to the land of Israel. He was actually a student of Rav Cook. Uh, then relocated to America. He was Rosh Yeshiva, the famous Yeshiva in Brooklyn, Rav Chaim, Berlin. Uh, later on in the 1970s, uh, early 70s, he made Aliyah to Israel and established a Yeshiva called Pachad Yitzchak. Uh, and there is a set of his writings called Pachad Yitzchak, the fear of Isaac. It's on the holidays. And I'm taking one of his, I think, most well-known pieces on Purim. So uh, Rav Hutner in this passage begins by quoting the Pasuk in uh, Megillah, which says, lo yasuf mizar'am, that uh, their memory will never cease from among their children, meaning the holiday of Purim will continue forever and ever. And then he quotes a very famous Midrash. The Midrash says, Afilu bizman yitbatlu, Purim lo yitbatel, that even when all the other ha- holidays will be canceled out, Purim will not be canceled out. Uh, and the question, of course, is why? The Midrash doesn't explain why Purim will always continue. There's another Midrash at the Maral quotes. The same Midrash, it says, Yom Kippur will also never be forgotten. Be that as it may, Rav Hutner uses this as his jumping off point. What is it about Purim that is so special that even uh, in the future, when all of their holidays will be canceled out, uh, Purim will not be? He says, the order of these things is as follows, and he now brings an allegory. He says, this can be contained an allegory to two people who have been commanded to recognize people at night. They're night watchmen, they have to recognize people at night. One of them lights a torch, and he looks at the faces through the light of the torch in order to recognize people. The other one doesn't have a torch, and therefore he is obligated to recognize people by training himself to recognize their voices. It turns out, he says, that in terms of clarity and certainty, the first one's better than the second, because recognizing somebody through sight is obviously more certain uh, and more absolute than relying on hearing. But he says, in spite of that, the second one has an advantage over the first one, that he has trained himself a unique talent of paying attention to the voices of people. The first one uses light, and he doesn't have this talent by recognizing through sound. It appears, he says, therefore, that when the sun comes up, the first one will extinguish his torch or his candle because, he quotes the Talmud, a candle during the day who needs it. And all of the, the, the capacities that were given him through his work at night through the candle are now no longer necessary. There's daylight. He doesn't need to be a candle master or a torch master anymore. But unlike that, the second guy, uh, who now can recognize people through the sound of their voice. He has developed his hearing and been a, and developed a capacity which worked at night, 
and will still then be a capacity you can use all the time. And Rav Hutner then compares this analogy to what he calls the, the experience of leaving Egypt, recognizing God through the redemption of Egypt, and recognizing God through the redemption of Purim. That the redemption from Egypt was an obvious and absolute miracle, obvious to everyone. Everyone could see it. Uh, it was clear, quite literally, as the light of day. Purim, however, worked differently. They're recognizing God. God was hidden, and it takes a special capacity to recognize God in God's hiddenness. And the Pachad Yitzchak, Rav Hutner, goes on to explain this is why the other festivals in the future time, in the time of Mashiach, when the time of complete redemption, where God's light is visible everywhere, there will be no need for Pesach or Sukkot or any other holiday that, separ- that celebrates obvious miracles of God. We won't need that because we'll be living in an age of redemption where God's light is obvious and manifest. And there's no question that God is, is everywhere. I don't need Pesach to remind me of God's redemption. I'm living in a time of the ultimate redemption. However, Purim taught us something different. Purim taught us a way of connecting to God, of finding God, even when God is hidden. And therefore, this religious sensibility, the ability to find and discover God, even in God's hiddenness, we're going to need to cultivate and hone and develop this sensitivity, even in a time of complete redemption. And I think Rav Hutner is saying something very, very deep about what Purim is. Purim is the capacity to find and discover God even when God is hidden, even when the world is not redeemed, even when there is still difficulty and there is still trouble. You know, Tzadok Kohen, a very well-known Hasidic thinker, I don't mean to give you two for one right now, but I will anyways, talks about different ways of experiencing God. We can experience God and the joy of experiencing God when it's manifest, when miracles have happened and we are saved and life is good and we are filled with gratitude for a complete and ideal world which we are blessed to live in at that moment. But there is another element of experiencing God. And that is what he calls, and actually I think we're putting by borrowing from him, That is experiencing God in the darkness. Where the world is still dark, there is still evil, there is still difficulty. You know, the end of the Megillah does not end with the world being perfect, right? At the end of the Megillah, the Megillah finishes in this very funny way where it talks about Ahasuerus levying a tax all over the land. And I used to wonder, why is the Megillah finishing talking about taxes, right? Everyone loves to make the joke. They groan when they mention taxes. Everyone likes to shake their Gregor. Like when Haman is recited, we shake our Gregor at the mention of taxes. And I realized the Megillah begins with Ahasuerus and it ends with Ahasuerus, telling us that fundamentally the world has not changed. The Jewish people are still in exile. The world is not redeemed. We are still living under Ahasuerus. The uncertainty that goes along with living under Ahasuerus is still present. 
One day he elevates Haman. The next day he elevates Mordechai. Who's to say he won't elevate another Haman again? The end of the Megillah is not a high point. It is not a point of great joy in a complete and wonderful and light-filled world. The Megillah ends in a world that is unredeemed, where, yes, we are grateful for winning this victory at the moment, but life is so precarious. The future of the Jewish people, still precarious, still scary, still with anxiety. And yet, we argue, we find God here as well. Or as Rav Tzadok has says, and, and the Pachad Yitzchak is mentioning, because Purim taught us to develop the ability to find God in the darkness. And in this sense, it's not that God makes the darkness go away, but we are reassured that God is with us in the darkness. And that is a cause for joy. And from this perspective, the joy that we feel on Purim is not the joy of being at the end of something or completing something or even living in, in the ideal. It is the joy of knowing we are not alone. It is the joy that we experience when we realize that even though things are still challenging and difficult, there's an infinite goodness in this moment all at the same time that we need to celebrate. You know, from this perspective, I sometimes think that what Raputner is challenging us to do is to understand that this ability to feel joy almost is a type of rebellion, almost as a statement to say, yes, I know the world is not perfect. The world is still scary. Life still has pain. Life still has difficulty, but I can still experience joy. I will affirm a joyousness through a belief that God is with me in the darkness. And according to Rav Huttner, this ability to find joy even in darkness is something that as human beings, we're going to want to hold on to and develop even in a redeemed world. Because it's, there's an element to the human personality that can find joy and purpose and meaning even in the darkness, that can train ourselves to find joy even in troubling times. That is a religious and spiritual accomplishment we're going to want to maintain even when we, God willing, come to a time of complete redemption. And that is why Rav Huttner says we celebrate Purim uh, in Adar Sheni in a leap year, in the second Adar, because Purim always has to be juxtaposed to Pesach, 30 days apart. Because before we celebrate the manifest redemption of Pesach, and we enter into the Anochi Hashem Elokecha, right, that I'm the Lord your God that took you out of the land of Egypt, we first have to celebrate the redemption of Purim. I am the Lord your God who stood with you in exile and stood with you in the darkness. And that is the message that we have to learn first before we are able to then go into Purim. Purim is a celebration of our unique spiritual capacity to celebrate and affirm God's presence with us, even in the darkness. I look forward to sharing more thinkers with you in the future. Thank you to our Pardes faculty, and a big thanks to you, our learners. Make sure to check back in every day to stay on track with your learning 
and visit www.pardace.org.il for more information about other ways to learn with Pardace.